Well, we got a couple of really big days coming up, and just this is like your yearly reminder. Uh, don't forget about mom, because man, this is, a, this is a big one. In just a few weeks from now, we're going to be celebrating Mother's Day on May the 8th. And that's a, that's a big deal for us as a church also, because we love to just celebrate our moms. And, and uh, we'd love for you to bring mom with you to church. Or if you are a mother today, I know that you want more than anything else to have your babies in church with you. So we're going to have some great photo ops and some little special surprises in store for you. So I hope that you'll plan to be here on Mother's Day and, uh, and bring the whole family in just a few weeks. And, and kind of in line with that, letting you know, I know a lot of you ladies have been waiting and asking, and hey, what about this spring? Are we going to have a, a, a women's spring celebration, the, the luncheon? And uh, we're excited to announce that's going to be on May the 21st is our, our women's spring celebration. And if you've been a part of that, you know what a big deal it is, and it sells out really quickly. So we, we do have limited spaces available, and tickets are on sale now. Uh, you can buy them on our website or if you've got questions about that or you say, man, I just, I, I kind of want to just talk to somebody or maybe just buy one in person, uh, you can find one of our ladies will be out in the lobby at one of the vertical TVs where you'll see this logo. They'll be out there, can answer any questions and can help you. Uh, but uh, if you get those tickets early, we got a great, great, uh, some great things planned that we'll let you know about in a few weeks about that. But uh, just excited to share that day with you guys. Well, this, this series we're starting today, I'm, I'm really excited about. It's going to be... We're going to be kind of doing a character sketch or looking at different people through Scripture that, that struggle. Because if you're anything like me, and I have felt this a lot, that I'm trying to live for Christ and I, I want to do the right things. But, it, you know, I, I use this expression, I feel like I'm stumbling towards Jesus a lot of times. And sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't. Well, we're, we're a great company because you look through, especially the New Testament, you see just story after story of people that just, they miss the mark. And yet God is still doing great things in their life and through them. And I love the tagline to this series, which is, is it's called Saints and Struggles, Permission to Be Honest. And, and that's my goal is, is every week for the next few weeks as you leave here, uh, I really if, if you walk out of here and kind of you just feel a little bit lifted and kind of like, okay, you know, like I, I, I'm good. I can, God is still at work in me. And, and if you feel any of that, then I've done my job. And so I'll know that, that we're going where we need to go if you just feel a little bit encouraged. And one of the things that strikes me most about our world, and we talk about permission to be honest, is that it really seems like most people, if not everybody, that we, we like the idea of Jesus, but there are a lot of people that even though we like the idea of Jesus, there are a lot of people in the church and out of the, outside of the church that are frustrated with the church. Because we haven't had a, you know, if we're honest, the past couple of millennia, the church has not had a great track record. You know, there have been a lot of failures. There been a lot of things that, that the church as a whole missed the mark. And as individuals, we've, we've had a lot of, there's been a lot of times that we've failed. And, and what, I, what I know is it's a lot easier to dial in there and to focus on your failures. It's a lot easier to remember your failures than it is to remember your successes. Or even just your, like, monotonous, you know, boring, average days. Like, you know, n nobody ever talks about the days where it's like we got up, we went to work, we paid bills, we fed the kids, we, you know, we had spent some family time and nothing blew up. Like, we don't ever remember those days. But what we do remember are the days when we, when we blew it. And, and it just, our past just never, it just it doesn't stay in the past. It just kind of keeps coming up in our minds and... Uh, when I was in college, I remember one evening, 
I, I was walking around campus on, on the sidewalk. And as a, as a sideline to this story, it's important. I was single at the time. So you've got to remember that little tidbit of information. But I'm walking around campus. And uh, as, I'm, as I'm walking, I see these two uh, cute girls that are walking towards me. So we're going to pass. And so I'm like, okay, it's time for your game face now, Brandon. This is, this is the moment. Maybe this is the moment you've been waiting for. And so I'm thinking, I, I'm, I'm getting closer to these two girls. I'm like, I got to say something just really great, you know. So I'm like, well, and in my head I'm debating, am I going to say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> or am I going to say, what's going on? But I, I couldn't make up my mind. You, you gotta, my mind is a scary place. And I, like, I couldn't decide, like, which one is going to impress them more. And so I'm, like, I'm having this debate, and I walk up, and I, I get to the moment where I'm, I'm right there with the girls. And they both kind of looked at me and looked at each other, and they kind of did that little, that little shy thing. And they said, hi. And I kind of blurted out, hey, what's up going down? I mean, how, how are you? you you all okay? Did not, do you need anything? And I, it, was the most, it was the most terrible thing you've ever seen. And these girls, they, I, I, they looked at each other, and they looked at me, and they started laughing and walked on. And it was horrendous. And I'm like, what? What's, and, and, and here's what you need to know is I think about that. I have been married for 17 years. I have three children. That was almost 20 years ago. And it still haunts me. Like, what is wrong with me? But, you know, you remember the failures. But it's, it's a lot more difficult to remember, okay, just even the days that, were just, that just went okay, that your past, it just doesn't always stay in the past. Except, you know, and, and something, when it does creep up, it's not that funny. And maybe for you it's that problem you have losing your temper and you know that you have said some words to someone in your family or your life and you say, what I wouldn't give to go back and bite my tongue. I wish I hadn't said that, but you can't take it back now. Or, or it's, uh, it's, for you, maybe it's the, the maddening, reoccurring cycle of ongoing sin where you say, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I did. Why, why do I keep doing this? Or maybe it's that you, you betrayed a spouse and no matter how many steps you take, you can't ever seem to move forward. Or it's, or it's the expectations that you had for yourself years ago. You know, when you were younger, you just knew this is the way life is going to be. And this is what it's going to look like. And yet here you are. And when you look at your life, you say, I just, I'm not where I, where I wanted to be. This is a lot different and not in a good way. This is not where I wanted to be because the past doesn't stay in the past. And if, any, if there was ever anyone... We survey the, the scripture. If there was in any ever a person who wrestled with failure that would say, man, if what I wouldn't give to go back and do things a little bit different, it's got to be Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. I mean, what he wouldn't give, what this guy wouldn't give. And when I think about failure and regrets, Peter always comes to my mind. If there was ever a guy, man, if I could just rewind the tape. And some of you, you might be thinking, well, Peter, isn't that the guy that walked on the water with Jesus because he was, so, he was so focused on Jesus? Yeah, that's the guy. That's him. He's the same guy that at the Last Supper, I mean, the night Jesus is going to be arrested, 
They're sitting around the table. Jesus looks at all of his guys and he says, hey, listen, I'm about to be betrayed. And, and you know, some of you are going to deny that you even know me and you're going to abandon me. And Peter, who always speaks before he's had a chance to think it through, a very impulsive kind of guy, passionate, passionate kind of guy, kind of just blurts things out and he says, no, Lord, not me. I would never do that. I don't know what you're talking about. Even if every, if every single one of these guys denies you and abandons you, I will not. Even if I have to stare death in the face, I won't deny you. And Jesus looked at him and said, Pete, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Before dawn breaks, you'll deny me. And I imagine Peter's like, this is you're right. No way. I'm not gonna not gonna do that. And the truth is, it didn't take it. He, Peter didn't even have to stare death in the face. It wasn't even a big threat. All it took was a little, a little teenage slave girl, warming her hands around the fire where Peter was, to look at him and say, "Hey, weren't you one of the disciples?" And Peter says, "No, no, 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 no. Not me. I, I don't know him. I don't know that Jesus." And then a second guy says, no, I'm sure, it, I'm sure I've seen you with him. And Peter says, no, absolutely not. It is not, not me. I don't know him. And then a third person spoke up and said, no, I, I know that you're the guy. We've seen you with him. And Peter actually cursed at the guy and said, no, I don't know that Jesus at all. And here's what happened next in Luke chapter 22, verse 61. It says, at that moment the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I mean, they were close enough. He was denying him even when he was just, he was just right there. And three times, there it was. And I want you to picture this moment for a minute because this is the moment that Jesus is standing trial for something that he didn't do. He's been betrayed. He's been abandoned. He's getting ready to go and die on a cross to, to save people like Peter. And Peter had been with him for three years I mean, this isn't like some kind of a moment where it's like, well, maybe I don't really know who Jesus is after all. Like, you've been, you've been every moment for three years, you've seen the miracles he's performed, you've listened to his teaching, you've sat at his feet, he'd walked with him all this time, but when the pressure was on, he denied him, denied that he even knew him. Not once, not twice, but three times. And then Jesus turned and looked at Peter. What do you think was going through Peter's mind at this moment. When he just realized, the light bulb just came on, what have I done? Guilt? How, how could I have done this? Shame? What if, what if the other disciples find out what I, what I just did? Regret? Why? Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I wish I could go back just a little bit. The rest of the verse says that suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three, three times that you even know me. And so Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. He ran off crying like a little girl as he realized what he'd done. Now, we've all let somebody down, haven't we? Whether it was, you know, family, friend, you know, if it's you, you said something you wish you hadn't said... Or maybe you even think back to school. Some of you, it's like, man, I've been in school for 50 years, but I still think about this one time. I wish I had stood up for that person, but I didn't. And I let that happen, and I should have tried to do more. Because our past, although we can't go back to it, 
It just con- our past continues to speak to us. And our spiritual enemy, our adversary, the devil, he's going to use that. And he does use it. He reminds us of the failures in the past, uh, the things that we've done. Right after this, the Bible says that the guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded Jesus and, and then would hit him. So, oh, prophesy to us. Who hit you that time? And they hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. And you've got to think, Peter's watching, you know, knows about this, what's happening. I can't imagine, because he loved Jesus. He loved him. He said, I'll go wherever you want to go. I'll do whatever you want to do. And he's got to be thinking, I've just abandoned him. I denied him. Now I'm off crying and, and, and ran home and I'm, I'm scared. I've let him down in such a way it can never be made right again. Now I wonder if, you ever feel, if you've ever felt like that. Because I, I, I know that there are a lot of people who have because I've had those conversations with you. Where you are convinced that you have failed so bad that there's no way that it could ever be made right. And that God is just, this is, this is one sin too far. This is one failure that's been, it's, it's too much. And, and I see this in my own life and I see it a lot in the lives of people that I counsel and that I speak with and get an opportunity to pray with. That the devil, that there's, just a, there's just a pattern that, that the way that this plays out, when you're reminded of failures or when you do fail, there's three things that he brings to mind. And it is, number one, that you are unforgivable. There's no way that God is going to overlook this. You, it's too much. And the second thing is, you are unlovable. Who'd want to be with you? Who, who'd want to have any kind of a relationship with you? And the third thing is, you are useless. God's not going to use somebody like you. Too, too bad. Too far. It's, it's over. Game over. You're done. So go back and do your little thing and live your little life, but you're never going to do anything of any significance because God's not going to use you. Those are all lies, but they're all things that are brought to mind when we're reminded of our failures in, in our past, and I see all three of them in Peter. I see all three of these in in this account. After he denied Christ, Jesus is crucified, and then he's resurrected. We celebrated that last week. And you know that after the resurrection, we're told that Jesus appeared to his disciples a couple of times. Uh, Peter was one of the first ones to the empty tomb. The women had seen that the stone was moved and the, you know, the body wasn't there, saw the angel. But then it says that Peter and John, they went and told, Peter and John were the first ones to run to the empty tomb and, and, and they saw that and then Jesus had appeared to them. And so they had seen him alive. And I'm sure they were overjoyed. This is great, but for, for Peter, it's got to be a mixed bag of emotions. Because I'm really glad that Jesus is alive but I know what I just did. And so I'm trying to get myself in his, in his mind. Where, where is he at? He's got to be wrecked with guilt. You look at John 21, verse 3. All the disciples are together. They'd seen Jesus a couple of times, but he's not with them at this moment. And it says that Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now, without trying to read too much into that, but it's just not lost on me. You remember what Peter's job was before he was a disciple? He's a fisherman. And so I read this, and I'm thinking about this week, and, and without trying to take too many liberties, but trying to get in Peter's state of mind where he's at, I imagine he's feeling pretty useless right about now. 
I'm, I'm super thankful that Jesus is alive, but I know what I just did, so he's, he's done with me. I'm going to go back and do what I used to do. I'm going to go back into my old life. Maybe it'll take, take things off my mind, whatever. I, 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 I'm, I've messed up too much. I'm wasted. I'm going to go fishing. And it wasn't just him. The, verse, the rest of the verse says, oh, the, the rest of the guy said, well, we'll come too. Let's all go fishing together. And uh, so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. I think about the times I've just spun my wheels. You know, when you, just, when you think about failure, you think about regrets, and even when you're trying to do the right thing, it just feels like you're banging your head up against the wall. Nothing's going the right direction. What do I do next? That's where these guys are. But the good news is that Jesus does not leave us holding on to our past. He hasn't left us here with just, well, you, you deal with it. Too bad. Too bad for you. And this is, this is the, the best news that a lot of us need to hear is that God comes to us when we need him the most. I mean, he's with us at all times, but especially in the difficult moments. We, we've got to know that God shows up in our greatest moments of need. You have not been abandoned by God. You've not been left alone. And it doesn't matter how bad the failure was or how embarrassed you are of it or how, how much you think, well, that is that has just cut off my purpose. God can't use somebody like me. No matter All those thoughts that you have, you, you have not been abandoned because of your past. How do I know that? Because look at, the, look at what Jesus does for Peter. So the guys are out on the boat. They're fishing. It says in verse 4 that at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who it was. So he's there, but they didn't know it was him. And he called out. He said, hey, fellas, have you caught any fish? And they said, no. And so he says, well, hey, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they caught so many fish. It says they couldn't haul in the net because it was so full of fish. And what I love about this story, okay, this is just you can't miss some of the humor in, in the Bible. It's, sometimes we read it so reverently, and it's, you know, it's, it is a God's word. But you can't miss the humanity and, and just the, I think it's hilarious. When Peter realized, oh, that's Jesus. Look what he does in verse 7. It says, Simon Peter heard it was the Lord. He put on his tunic for he'd stripped for work. Number one, like, are you naked? I don't, like, what are you doing? But he puts on his clothes and then jumped in the water. And headed to the shore. He doesn't, he doesn't wait. And it says the others stayed with the boat and they pulled the loaded net to shore. They were only about 100 yards from the shore. Has anybody ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? You remember that scene where he's on the boat and Lieutenant Dan's there and he's so excited. Lieutenant Dan! You know, and he jumps off the boat and lets the boat crash into the dock. Like that's Peter! That's what he's doing. I mean, he's just like, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to go see Jesus right now. And it says that when they all got there, when they finally arrived at the shore, Jesus was cooking breakfast for them. So he cooked some fish up and, hey, guys, sit down, let's eat. And that had to have been one of the most awkward meals, especially for Peter. You know, you just wonder, what did they say? He's, he's got to be sitting there full of guilt and shame and insecurity and regret. And then the very first recorded words that Jesus speaks after they eat, it says, after breakfast. 
This is, this is the highlight. There is so much that we draw from this. Because after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, he said, Simon, son of John. He's using his full name. I mean, this is Brandon Michael Hatfield. Ooh, that's still, that's full name. Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. As I read that, the thing that surprised me this time when I read it, is I was struck by how kind and how caring it was that Jesus hurt Peter by asking him three times. That sounds weird, right? Stay with me. How loving was it that Jesus was willing to hurt Peter's feelings to ask him a third time when what he could have done, he could have said, hey, let's just, that's water under the bridge. Let's leave that in the past. Let's not worry about that. Let's act like it didn't happen. But he didn't do that. He brings it up. You know, well, let's let old wounds heal. Let's scabbed over. Let's just, no, let's, we're going to pick into that right now. We're going to go there. And he asked, he brought it, he brought it up not once, not twice. But three times, why? And here's, here's, what, here's what I've learned this week. The thing that God really has spoken to me is that he is much more concerned with lasting healing in your life than he is with short-term feelings. And God wants to do the deep work within us. And that sometimes hurts. Because if God's going to do deep healing work in us, that means we've got to go to those painful places. It'd be a lot easier to say, well, let's be bygones be bygones. But let's be honest with each other. We know that bygones are never bygones. We, we, we think about them all the time. We, we, we relive those moments, those failures, the pain. And Jesus understands this, that when you have a wound in your life, you've got to clean it out before it can heal properly. We can't just ignore it. I'll rub a little dirt in it and let's go on. You've you got to do the, 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 the good, difficult, and deep work. How do I know that? I know that because of promises like 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9, that says, if we, and listen to this. It says, if we confess our sins to God, it'd be a lot easier to just ignore it. Say, well, I know I'm a sinner, but we don't need to talk about that. Just forget it and we'll just move on. No, it says, if we confess, if we are honest, with ourselves and with the Lord, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. When I think about Peter and I think about the guilt that had to be gnawing at him, you know what that feels like. How it just, it just is right there, and then he goes back to fishing because he's just sure that he's done. One thing that we all do. You can lie if you want to, but we all do this. We compare ourselves to other people. Whether it's physical stuff, you know, whether it's 
you know, and it has to do with our, our income, our wealth, our homes, our cars, whatever. You know, we're always constantly comparing, we're measuring ourselves against other people. And I know that Peter was human and probably did this as well. And, and I thought this week, I thought, you know, I bet you Peter, in that moment, I bet he thought to himself, I am no better than Judas. I'm no better than that traitor. You know, yeah, Judas sold him out, but I denied him, and he even told me that I would. And I said, no, never, and I did it anyway. I'm no better. I'm just as bad. And then you look at how Jesus responds to him and what he doesn't say. He uses his full name. Simon, son of John. And you would expect him to say, you should be ashamed of yourself. How could you do this? I told you what would happen, and you did it anyway. You know, you, those are the things you would expect. But instead, he asks a simple question. He says, Simon, son of John, let me get your attention. Do you love me? Do you love me? And then he says, feed my sheep. What's he doing there? He's putting the call of God back on his life. He's restoring his purpose. He says, you're not useless, Peter. You think that you're unforgiven, unlovable, and useless. And what Jesus does in this moment is he proves to him, I forgive you, I'm crazy about you, and I am going to use you. You are not too far. You have not gone too far, Peter. And he says the same things to us today. Do you love me? This is the most, I'm convinced, the most powerful force in this life, the most powerful thing that, that we experience is when you have someone in your life that really knows you, like, you know, warts and all. I mean, they know all of it, and yet they love you regardless. When you've got a spouse or you've got a parent or a friend, somebody that knows it, yeah, yeah, I see everybody else thinks you're so great, but I've seen what you're like at home. When you've got somebody that says that and say, hey, but I love you anyway, I love you anyway, there's nothing that you could do that would make me not love you. That's the most powerful thing in life and that is our God he knows it all I mean he sees it all he sees everything that you I mean he sees the things that you thought that you don't want anybody else to know has been in that crazy brain of yours and yet God's seen that and he says I love you and and, and even beyond that he says if if you're in Christ if you are a follower of Jesus you're my child, and there's nothing that you could do. Not even the gates of hell could overcome the love that I have for you and how I'm reaching for you. And we would do well, we would all do well to extend ourselves the same kind of grace and forgiveness that God gives us. If we could forgive ourselves a little bit through Jesus Christ, what he's already extended to us. And this is what I see in Peter's story, and I see it in our story too. Is that even a step back can be a spiritually formative step. Even when, okay, I, I messed up, even when we've made a mistake, God can use those mistakes to grow us into the man or the woman that he wants us to be. He uses them to humble us. He uses them to teach us. There may be some discipline. I don't mean discipline in the, like, oh, now you know, I'm going to bang you over the head, but, but helping to correct, helping us to, to be be who we need to be nothing is wasted it's God's word that says that if, if we're in Christ you know that, that he's using all things all things work together for the good of those who love God 
and are called according to his purpose. Peter messed up, but it helped to get his heart in a place where God could use him. Because you think, what do we know about Peter? He's an impulsive dude. He is ready, fire, aim. He's the same guy when Jesus is being arrested. All the Roman soldiers come to get him, and Peter draws a sword and cuts the guy's ear off. I mean, he's ready to, he's ready to go to war, and Jesus is like, well, slow down, buddy. He's always speaking first and then thinking later and trying to back it up a little bit. And this is, this is Mr. Impulsive, Mr. Yeah, I don't know what to do with all this passion, Peter. That's, that's the guy he is. And yet Jesus later told him, you're Peter. Peter means rock, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. I'm going to use you in such an incredible way, Peter. But you know, I don't think Peter could have been used as well had he not learned the lessons that he learned here. Peter, remember, your first reaction is not always the best reaction. you got to slow down a little bit, calm down, and be steady like a rock. The only qualification to be used by God, you know, I think all of us want that. We, we want to know that God can use us. The only thing that you need, the only thing that you need, it's not a perfect past, but it's the presence of Jesus in your life. That's all you need. None of us are perfect, and we're not going to be. That's not a prerequisite. You don't have to be perfect to be used by God. You just have to have the presence of Jesus in your life. Now, I, I came across a poem this past week, and I'm not really like a poem guy, but this one was really good. And it's by a guy named Rudyard Kipling. He wrote The Jungle Book. I don't know whether he was a follower of Christ or not, but, uh, but, but I really like what he said here. This, the poem is called If, and it's like, it's like five years long, so I'm not going to read it to you. But it, the, the poem is basically, it's, it's a lot of one lines. Like, if you can do these things, then at the end of the poem, the point is, then you'll really be complete. Like, if you can keep your head when everybody else is losing their minds, you know, if you can, if you, can uh, you know, trust yourself when others are doubting you, but also leave a little room for that, too. But there was one line that really struck me. It said, if you can dream and not make dreams your master, that's good. And if you can think and not make thoughts your aim. And here's, here's the best line. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you, can tr- if you can treat, or you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat them both the same. Man, that, that's so good because most of us, we try to avoid disaster at all costs. Because that's the worst thing that could ever happen to us would be if I failed or if something didn't work out the way that I thought it was. But we live for the triumph. It's all about the success. That's, that's everything. I remember years ago, my grandmother, who's, she's with Jesus now, but uh, one, of those, one of those spiritual giants in my life. And I'd have a lot of conversations with her. We'd talk about different things. And uh, uh, I can remember on several occasions talking to her about times that I'd failed or things didn't go the way that I wanted, you know, this disaster. In my mind, it was a disaster. And I can remember her saying, she'd say, Brandon, she just had that little grandmotherly luxury tone. And she'd say, Brandon, it's not as bad as you think it is. And then there were other moments that I felt like I'd really won. Like, man, I just hit a home run. I'm so excited about this. I've just succeeded, like, triumph. And I'd be telling Grandma about it, like, hey, this is what happened, and I'm so excited. And, what? and she'd just sit there and say, oh, that's nice. 
And, and I'm like, come on, give me more. Like, pat me on the back. Give me the echo. Like, come on, let's jump together or whatever. You know, it's triumph. And I can remember her just sitting there just, oh, that's very nice, very nice. And I was like, what in the world? And, and, and I remember her saying one time, she said, Brandon, you, you need to learn that the moments that you think you failed, they weren't as bad as what you actually thought. And the moments that you think you've succeeded, they're not as great as you think either. And that's really, that's really powerful to me. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. What my grandma was trying to tell me is you can't keep beating yourself up. And you can't keep patting yourself on the back. Romans 12.3 says, because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you're better than you really are. But be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Don't think of yourselves too highly. Don't think of yourselves too poorly. Triumph and disaster. Treat those two imposters just the same. I was reading this story over and over and over. I'm thinking about Peter and how I'm just sure he's in his mind he thought it's over. I am unforgivable. I am unlovable. I am useless. I read the story. Uh, it's all about, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is all about Peter. It's about Peter's past. It's about Peter's failure. It's about Peter denying Jesus. It's about Peter deserting the call that God had on his life. But finally, I realize I'm reading the story wrong. You think, like, if, uh, if somebody takes a picture of you and they put it on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you know I, know, I know people that are like, oh, don't put any pictures on me until I've had a chance to look at them first. I see people do this. They're like, oh, everybody smile. And people, let me look at it. Don't post. Let me look at it first. Let me look at it first. I'm like, why are you doing that? Because it could be, you could be in a crowd of eight people, and if you come across that picture on Instagram, what, what de- declares or what decides whether it's a good picture or a bad picture? It's how you look. Everybody else can look great, but if you're like doing something weird, you're like, that's a terrible picture. Because it's all about you. And so I'm reading this story and I'm thinking, this is all about Peter, right? It's all about his failure. And then I realized, no, this is actually, this is, not a, this is ultimately not a story about Peter. This is about Jesus Christ. This story is not about what Peter has done in his past. It's a story about what Jesus has done on a cross. And what he wants to do in each one of our lives. And what I want you to know is no matter how badly you think you have failed, you have a faithful Savior in Jesus. He is so steady. And I know that triumph and disaster may feel like these two big pillars. Treat them as the imposters that they are. You have a faithful and loving Savior in Jesus Christ who wants to forgive you, who wants to put the call of God back on your life. You are not unforgivable, unlovable, and useless. You are loved, you are forgiven, and you are chosen by God. If you want to talk to somebody about that, I, I hope that somebody in here says, man, I, okay, that's gripped me, and now i got to know what the next step is. What do I do with this? We've got to, we'll have uh, staff and volunteers out in the lobby at the next steps area. As you leave here, you see the wall says next steps. That's why they're there. If you want somebody to pray with you or you want somebody, maybe you just need to vent or you say, I, I don't know what to do, but I'm feeling something. What, what's next? Just stop by there. And even if it's just to say, hey, I just want to say hi and please pray for me. They'd love to do that. But let me pray for all of us and we'll be dismissed.
Lord, thank you so much for, for being faithful, that you are, you are steady and, and you, you always, uh, you're consistent with us. And you remind us, your word reminds us, and you remind us by your Holy Spirit that we are loved and forgiven and that you have purpose for us. I, I pray that you would help us to feel that today. Help us to know that we've not been abandoned. Help us to know that you are still at work in our life. So help us to lift our chin, Lord, and, and to see you remind us that we are your children. And I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week.